With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Come on, Come on, Good afternoon, good evening, rugby fans, and welcome to episode 53 of the DNVR Rugby Podcast. My name is Colton Strickler. As always, I'm your host. We'll go ahead and jump right into the breakdown, the same way we start every show, talking about the weekly roundup of news, uh, rugby kind of in the United States and North America. So first little bit of news we want to jump into, the breakdown is uh, Nola Gold announced on Monday that the 2019 back of the year JP, JP Duplessis uh, left the San Diego Legion to sign a four-year deal with the Nola Gold. So I know we usually don't talk uh, much about signings on this show, especially when they don't involve former Raptors, but this is a massive signing for the Gold. Uh, JP's a great guy, great player. I had the chance to talk to him when I was with MLR, wrote a feature on him when he won the 2019 Back of the Year Award. So congrats to him for the, for the move. Uh, but yeah, I wanted to make sure we touched on that little bit of news because it is a, it's a huge signing across the league, some that will for sure make waves. Uh, and Nola Gold's looking pretty stacked heading into a tough Eastern Conference in 2021. So I wanted to make sure we touched on that really quick before we move into the rest of the show. So the second part of the breakdown we'll talk about today is uh, some big news out of Utah. So the Utah Warriors announced on Tuesday that they have plans set in place to build a brand new stadium. So I'll go ahead and read you the release. Utah Warriors announced new multi-use stadium plans. Uh, the Utah Warriors announced its intentions to build a new 10,000-seat multi-sport stadium, which will serve as a permanent home for the Warriors rugby team by 2023. In addition to Warriors home games during the MLR season, the stadium will serve as a venue for other professional sports teams that the Warriors ownership group intends to bring to the state of Utah. The planned state-of-the-art facility will also play host to community high school concerts and entertainment industry events and serve as the vital anchor tenant for a live work play environment style district in one of Utah's Wasatch Front communities. Quote, we spent a lot of time building our vision for the future home of the organization and we're excited to take the next step in this journey, end quote, said Kimball Kiar, uh, GM and CEO of the Utah Warriors rugby team. Over the last few years, or over the last few seasons, we have built a strong fan base and following for the Warriors and the community, proven this is a rugby town, he continued. We intend to build a venue that supports Warriors Nation that can allow other professional sports teams along with high school sports to play in this venue. To build the Warriors first class facility, the organization has teamed up with sports venue construction giant Mortensen. Mortensen, the number one sports facility builder according to the engineering news record, has been operating in the Utah community since 1983 and recently operated, opened a permanent office in Utah. Warrenson has built nearly 200 collegiate and professional level sports facilities around the country, including the Golden State Warriors Chase Center Arena, Nashville SC Soccer Stadium, and most recently the Las Vegas Raiders Allegiant Stadium. Quote, 
We believe the opportunities in the Utah sports industry are uniquely poised for incredible growth, end quote, said Josh Caldwell, business development executive and head of Morrison Salt Lake City office. Quote, and we receive partnership opportunities with organizations like the Utah Warriors and the MLR to develop sports facilities in Utah as an exciting example of opportunity we are not uniquely positioned for, but also highly invested in for the greater community, end quote. So to guide the stadium and surrounding live work play developmental site selection process, the Warriors have formed a stadium advisory committee of business and community leaders. The committee includes Guy Woodbury Sr., VP of Hospitality, Woodbury Corporation, Mike Carey, Director Protects, Tom Chuparkoff, Principal of O-Sports, Josh Caldwell, Business Development Executive Mortensen, Greg Hughes, former Utah Speaker of the House, candidate for Governor of Utah, Steve Barth, uh, political consultant SB strategies. Develop details on final site selection are pending, but the Utah Warriors expect to make announcements in the coming months. The Warriors Stadium announcement comes on the heel of Major League Rugby announcing the 2021 kickoff date. The season will start March 20th with a full slate of 16 games. National TV coverage by media partners CBS Sports and Fox Sports 2. The MLR Championship is scheduled for August 1st and will be aired on CBS. For more information on the 2021 MLR C season plans and for ticket information visit warriorsrugby.com so that's the end of the release so that's obviously big news you've seen uh houston do the same thing last year so it shows that these teams are are serious about the longevity of all of this and they're wanting to set up some roots so congrats to utah that'll be fun to kind of check in on here in the next few months and of course we'll keep an eye on all that so last little bit of the breakdown i wanted to talk about before moving to some fixtures stuff uh, Sean Yacoubian, former Raptor, he was one of the last Raptors I think I interviewed before the pandemic kind of really kicked into gear back in March. So Sean Yacoubian, he becomes the latest former Raptor to sign with the new team. Signed with the New England Free Jacks on Tuesday morning, the, the team announced. So the Raptor tracker has been updated. Make sure you go check that out if you want to keep up with some former Raptors. And I have a feeling that we will be announcing some more here in the coming weeks. Hint, hint, wink, wink. So... Uh, with that, that'll kind of wrap up the MLR portion of our breakdown. So now let's go ahead and jump into some of the Premiership Rugby fixtures. So we're in week 22 of 22 weeks for the Premiership. Uh, this last week was kind of weird. They played some matches on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, which kind of made it nice for a you know, breakup, have some lunch, watch some rugby. So this is the last week of regular season competition for the Premiership. So uh, everything goes down on Sunday at 8 a.m. Mountain Time. So we've got Glaster versus Northampton, Leicester versus Harlequins, Saracens versus Bath, Wasp versus Exeter, Sale versus Worcester, uh, London Irish versus Bristol. All those matches kick off on Sunday, October 4th at 8 a.m. And all that can be streamed on NBC Sports Gold. So make sure you get up early, watch some rugby before the football gets rolling. Uh, yeah, so this is the last round of fixtures, like I mentioned, of the regular season. The playoffs will start after that. Top four teams in the table will make the two semifinal matches. So right now there's five teams in the running, really. We've got Exeter at the top of the table with 74 points. We've got Wasp with 68 points. Bath Rugby with 65 points. Sale Sharks with 64, 64 points. They're in fourth place in the table. And then we've got Bristol in fifth place also with 64 points. So uh, four teams in the running, or five teams in the running. They're all competing for four spots. So... It should be a good, interesting week, uh, final week of the Premiership before we jump into the playoffs, and obviously we'll talk a little bit about that uh, when that time rolls around. So 
with that, that kind of wraps up the breakdown portion of the show. So we'll go ahead and jump into the interview portion of the show. I'm excited for everyone to hear this conversation I had with Houston Sabercat skills and defense coach Paul Emmerich. Jumped on the show to talk a little bit about his rugby career. Uh, Luke Gross, who I interviewed a couple weeks ago, he put me in touch with Paul. I had never talked to Paul before, um, but I really enjoyed my conversation with him. And it kind of comes on the heels. I did the interview on the heels of the Glendale's announcement for the Rugby Town Crossover Academy. So Paul has an interesting story being a crossover guy himself. So I wanted to, to get a hold of him and ask him about what it was like crossing over and what kind of what he thinks about uh, Glendale's new direction. So a really good conversation with Paul. Excited for you all to check it out. So with that introduction, we'll go ahead and kick it to my conversation with Houston Sabercat skills and defense coach Paul Emmerich. All right, now welcome on to the show, uh, skills and defense coach for the Houston Sabercats, Paul Emmerich. Paul, how are you doing? Good, Colton. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you so much for joining me. So uh, we'll just jump right in. The uh, first question we ask everybody that joins the show, Paul, is just can you tell us a little bit about where you're from? Uh, I'm from Pella, Iowa, and uh, grew up in a small town out in the country. It's about uh, oh, about 8,000 or so when I was there. Uh-huh. Um, it's probably a little bit bigger now. It's probably over 10. Yeah. Cool. Um, what, what are some other sports that you played when you were growing up before you got into rugby? Um, main sports were football and wrestling, mm-hmm. um, springtime, um, I played soccer for a couple of years, played tennis one year. Uh, I had a short lived, uh, track career. Um, but, uh, you know, I was always, always up to, uh, to trying new sports and, and doing a little bit of everything. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. Sounds like, uh, everything was mixed in there. That's, uh, that's awesome stuff. So when and how did you get into rugby? Uh, I went originally went to college uh, with the intentions to play football, and uh, um, I did played my freshman year, and um, you know it was typical football program with a, a lot of work and uh, meetings and weight weightlifting schedules and meal tables and everything like that. And mm-hmm. uh, um, I just decided, you know, I, I although I still liked football, it just just wasn't for me. And uh, one of the one of the seniors on the football team uh, said, "Hey, you need to come out and uh, and try rugby." Yeah. So, the spring of my freshman year, um, I was introduced to rugby. That's awesome. What position did you play when you played football? Um, I was like a uh, outside linebacker, strong safety. Okay. Type. Yeah. For sure. So, when what about rugby hooked you? Like, was it when did it happen? Was it your first training? Was it your first match? When when did you kind of catch the bug? Um, well, originally, uh, I was, uh, just invited to come, uh, watch a game yeah. and, uh, with the lure of, uh, um, free refreshments and, and, and food beverages after the game. And, <laughs> and as it were, I, I watched the, uh, the first side play and magically a, a pair of shorts and boots popped up and yeah. I was asked if, uh, if I wanted to give it a go. That's, and, uh, that seems to be I how said, it happens. Yeah. I've said that multiple yeah. times on the shows. If you want to play rugby, you just go to a game, bring a pair of cleats, and, and you'll probably end up on the field. Yeah, so it was, uh, um, you know, after watching it, um, I think what, what drew me to it was um, you got to play both uh, offense and defense, uh-huh. right? You got to run the ball, and then, of course, uh, you get to uh, tackle people as well. Yeah, I yeah, know I hear you loud and clear. So uh, this is kind of like a weird next question, but because I feel like there is a kind of a big gap. So – can you explain, like, from this first introduction to rugby, like, your path to the Eagles? How did that all happen? 
Um, yeah, so there was when I when I first started playing, there was an actual like very defined system pathway mm-hmm. to make the Eagles. Um, so my pathway was uh, um, I was at University of Northern Iowa. And uh, so you, your first step is to make the uh, your LAU team, local area union, which would for me was the Iowa select side team. Mm-hmm. And for that, then you went to a Midwest regional tournament and you played a weekend of games there. And then uh, from that, you got invited to train and try out for the Midwest um, all-star team, uh, okay. the Thunderbirds. And uh if you made that team, then uh, every year, I think it was in like early December or late November, um, you went down to Tampa and you played in uh, what they called the ITTs, uh, Interterritorial Tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, there's seven territories and then the combined services to make uh, the eight teams. And uh, from that, there was uh, national national team selectors um, there and... and uh, that was the way to uh, to make the uh, the Eagles, and that okay. was also uh, the way to make the All Americans. So my, although I participated in both the um, the selections to the All Americans, uh, was was the first first thing I achieved. Hmm. And then, what was the time frame on that? Like, so the moment you play your first match, was it how how long of a time span was that? Uh, before before I got my first cap for the Eagles. Yeah. Um, so I, I started in the spring of 99 and then 2001 was my first, uh, sevens tournament, mm-hmm. um, appearance. And then 2003, um, was my first, uh, cap, which I, uh, achieved against Spain in May. Nice. I mean, all things considered, that really does not seem like that long of a time, time frame for sure. Um, and then I know you just mentioned your first cap. What is, what is it that you remember about your first cap? I like asking people that because it's always a, a different answer. My first cap, I remember I was in training camp for 15s uh, for for at least a year uh, before I achieved my first cap. And actually my first camp uh, I ever went to was in St. Mary's College, and Luke Gross was my roommate. Oh, wow. Um, Friend of the program. I have a, I have a uh, another funny story that I probably can't tell uh, on this show. Yeah, uh, I'll have Luke to. Gross, but uh, I have to get you off the air for that one. <laughs> but um, my first cap, yeah, I just uh, it was was a uh, a great moment and and a and a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I remember, you know, going going back to going in and out of the training camps and thinking, oh man, all right. You know, I've, I've, I've coach Billups, uh, told me, you know, is it, you have control of two things. Uh, one is your fitness and the other is your skill acquisition. Right. Mm-hmm. So whatever team I was playing on, uh, university of Northern Iowa and, and, you know, we had, I had some fantastic teammates, but, um, you know, it was, it was that instilled upon me that I had to be head and shoulders better than than anyone on that team and set the standard and and you know um hold myself to a much higher standard if i if I wanted to achieve the things i wanted to achieve so yeah um from my first first 15 and sevens camp it was um always back to back to university of northern iowa and uh you know put the work in and put the extra hours in for uh 
for kicking, for passing, for fitness, um, all of those things. Yeah. I can imagine. It just seems like that it's just a culmination of everything. Um, so then I was wondering, Paul, could you kind of explain how you got recruited to go play overseas? What was that process like? And again, like how did how did that all line up with the rest of your rugby career time-wise? Um, so I made the 2003 World Cup. We played mm-hmm. in Australia. And uh, I, uh, a lot of the a lot of the Luke Gross was on that team as well. Dan Lyle, Dave Hodges, um, were already you know playing professionally overseas, and um, so it was kind of you know asking them, what do I, who do I need to speak to, and and how how's this process work? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, after the World Cup, I stayed in New Zealand mm-hmm. and played uh, a season of uh, of club rugby. Um, Played uh, a little bit for um, some provincial stuff. Yeah. Um, but uh, that was short lived uh, because the NPCs were playing uh, during the June test windows. And, uh, you know, it was it was country over club uh, always. Right. So uh, back to the States, I went to, to play for the national team. And um, my first contract was in Italy. At that time, it was the top 10. Yeah. Um, competition in Italy, and from there, uh, it was my kind of my foot into the door uh, in Europe, and uh, you know, it's just every year I knew, okay, if, if I'm here and if I want to stay here, I got to get better. Um, but even more so, if I if I want to play, you know, in in the uh, Premiership, if I want to play in the in the Guinness mm-hmm. uh, Pro 14, um, you know, the Celtic League, uh, I got to get better and and. Right. Uh, um, you know, it was, it was nice being in a, uh, full-time training environment. And, uh, from Italy, um, I went over to, uh, to Wales Yep. and, uh, played for the dragons for a couple of years. Uh, went back to Italy for, for, uh, for two years. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I was over in Ulster, uh, for a year and then finished my career up, uh, with the London Wasps. Yeah. Um, so I spent, you know, a good 10 years overseas in all. That sounds like a, a great time. Did you have a favorite place to play or live over there? Um, my favorite place to play was uh, in Wales. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed my really enjoyed my time in the Dragons. Uh, my favorite place I lived was in Sicily. Yeah. Um, it was just <laughs> great weather. Uh, we had, uh, um, you know, I could to hop on my little motorino moped and and i was uh to the beach and and i don't know 15 20 minutes mm-hmm. um it was a good lifestyle uh but uh, you know if, if you want to progress you gotta you gotta go where the next next uh, level of the competition is right. so um i gotta ask how the food was in italy i asked luke the same question he said it ruined italian food for him like he can't eat italian food here anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's true yeah. It's true. Uh, definitely, <laughs> definitely, it was uh, you know, it was very true. They they do, they do simple very well and and very beautifully. Um, yeah. And the Italian cuisine, it was definitely one of the one of the things I enjoyed about living in Italy. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Can Paul? Can you explain how you made the transition into coaching? When did that happen? And and how has it been since you've been doing it? Obviously, pretty well. You're still doing it, so. Yeah, I uh, uh, retired in 2013 um, from injury, 
Um, and I and I had spoken to uh, Mike Tolkien was the national team coach at the time. Mm-hmm. Spoken to him about you know just transitioning um, out of of playing. Um, but uh, the I guess the universe had decided that I was going to end uh, on on their terms and not my own. But mm-hmm. um, I and I knew that um, you know I, I was love for the game of rugby and and I and I always thought man if if I had someone early on in my career, tell me this, or, you know, try and teach me that or explain, explain to me this, um, just to set precedence early. Um, you know, I, I think I would have been on a, a a more accelerated, uh, career path perhaps, or or just, you know, things that, you know, I was, I was at a, uh, division two college, uh, Northern Iowa, the, the, our coach, quote unquote, was uh, the, the senior. Yeah, had played <laughs> the most rugby, <laughs> and then then as I, the senior had you know the experience with the uh, national team stuff. Then then I I became coach as well, and um, you know, and I just I just wanted to come back and and what I achieved was um, was great, fantastic, but uh, most certainly doable for they're American athletes, mm-hmm. you know? So I wanted to come back and draw upon those experiences and, and share them with, uh, with other American rugby players. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, and then Paul, one of the, the last things I wanted to ask you before I let you go is, uh, obviously we have you on, uh, the weekend after the, you know, Glendale announces their plans for the rugby town crossover Academy and being, a crossover athlete yourself. I just kind of wanted to get your take on it. What, what do you think about the crossover Academy? And um, yeah, just kind of wanted to get your take on all that. Yeah, I, I think um, just if, if we're looking at, you know, from, from two perspectives of this, right. Yeah. Um, if I look at for myself crossing over, um, I think wrestling was a, 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 I, I'm a big fan of wrestling. Mm-hmm. It definitely helps set a foundation for, um, you know, the, the combat skills, yeah. as I call them, uh, for rugby. Um, but also just mentality of, you know, of, of never, you know, you're going to have to kill me before I, before I type, type attitude. Right. And, um, and, and that exists very much in rugby. Like there's, there's, there's always the next job to do, right. There's always more work to be done. Right. And, uh, um, you know, and we can draw upon American sports um, to make to make good rugby players. Um, you know, so so let's look at this. I, I was a uh, six foot one, two hundred and ten pound um, guy. I uh, in my forty when I was playing football. Um, you know, and and I wasn't even on a blip of a radar for you know. Uh, in the NFL teams, and right. you know, we're just such saturated with with all of these athletes. Um, so I come back to you know, I, I think what I achieved was was great and all, but definitely, you know, there's there's all these athletes out there that do the same things, and right. the, the crux of the situation is is one, they've got to want to do it. Two, you know, we got to get upskilled early and 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 set precedents. Uh, early and and uh, you know let them loose. Yeah. Uh, let them get game time and and uh, you know we'll we'll definitely uh, find. I'm sure you guys find fantastic athletes that will 
you know, accelerate into uh, into professional rugby and, and hopefully, you know, the national team, right? Right. Yeah, I think that's the ultimate goal. And like you said, there's a lot of people that, that kind of slip through the cracks or they just don't make their ultimate goal. And I think it's like you were saying, there's, there's so much potential that could be, you know, funneled into rugby if they just had an idea of what it was and, you know, how to get involved. So um, I'm certainly super excited to see how the first camp works out. So, um, Paul, that's all the questions I had for you. If you, if you wanted to add anything else, please feel free. No, I'm, uh, I'll be very curious and, and uh, I'll be watching the progress. I think it's an initiative and, and uh, you know, you've got uh, some fantastic American guys there that, uh, you know, Luke Rose is one of those guys that he's done the pathway. He's so um, he can draw upon a lot of his experiences and uh, help accelerate some of these uh, exciting aspects. Yeah, for sure. All right, Paul, thank you so much for your time, man. I really appreciate it. All right, Colton, have a good, have a good Monday. Yeah, you too. All right, I hope everybody enjoyed that conversation with Houston Sabercat skills and defense coach Paul Emmerich. I know I certainly did. Thank you again to Paul for taking the time out of his day to come chat with me. It's like I say every week, the guests make the show, so without them, the show wouldn't be what it is. So thank you again to Paul. I really appreciate the time, and I hope everybody enjoyed that. So with that, we'll go ahead and jump into the required reading portion of the show. Uh, this week's required reading is entitled Exclusive New Zealand's Rug Super Rugby Plans for 2021-2022 Revealed. Um, that's by Liam Napier. So this is a pretty interesting article. It talks about what New Zealand's planning to do um, in terms of Super Rugby next year and the year after. Um, and, and it also touches in with our friends at Kanaloa Hawaii. Um, so Kanaloa Hawaii, it's mentioned in this article, is kind of vying for a spot in this New Zealand Super Rugby competition. Um, so I know I, I certainly enjoyed reading this. There's a lot of good information kind of about what Super Rugby Aotearoa is going to look like, whether or not Australia is going to be involved. So I'll let everybody go ahead and check that out. If that's interesting to them, um, I would certainly recommend reading the article. It's a good one. So I'll go ahead and link that article into the article that houses this podcast. So make sure you go checking that out at uh, the dnvr.com. Make sure you just click on the rugby, uh, DNVR rugby podcast. Easy to find, but that's how you keep up with all of our required readings. I, I link it in the article that houses this podcast. So I would recommend going to check it out. It's a really good article. Um, kind of clears up what's going on all, with all the super rugby and all that stuff. So um, with that, we'll go ahead and close the show with the loop. Same way we close the show every week. So I'll just go ahead and talk about here what, what we've got going on here at DNVR Rugby. So we've got a lot of good podcasts still coming out. I know I've been working hard on interviews. So I've got several interviews in the bank out here in the next few weeks with a lot of interesting people. I'm looking forward to everyone checking that out, so make sure you keep up with that. I'm still working on some long-form stuff, so keep an eye out for all that. Um, some stuff touching on, you know, how this Rugby Town Crossover Academy has kind of come together and and what the process looks like in terms of recruiting and all that. So make sure you follow along with that stuff. Um, I'll be posting all that on Twitter at DNVR underscore rugby and at Colton Strickler. If you're, if you're looking for all the RDNVR rugby stuff, make sure you check out the DNVR.com. Just find rugby right at the top. Scroll down and check us out. We've been working hard to put out a lot of good stuff these last few weeks, and it's not slowing down anytime soon. So uh, make sure you're keeping up with all that. And with that, that's the show for this week. So thank you to everybody for listening. I hope everyone enjoyed that conversation with Paul Emmerich. Um, I'll, I hope you had a great week. I hope you have a great weekend. 
and we'll catch you all back here next week.